September 20, Tuesday. It's another great evening here in Tokyo, and uh, the Gertalks here, sitting back, chilling, thinking about episode 25 of Macross Delta, which aired on Sunday night. Which is the biggest disappointment in a long time, solely because Machina's alive and we can't mess with Mike anymore. But before we get into that, I'm hungry. I could do with a tasty burger. Hey, kids. Tasty burger, burger, burger. With some more burger and the side of burger. And to join me, having all this burger on my left, I have. Oh, okay, yeah, this is... <laughs> Sorry. There's more. usually more people in the room. There is, normally, yeah. <coughs> and I had a cough. <laughs> this is Adrian. Um, yeah, your co-host for the Speaker Podcast. All right, and uh, let's see. Also, down the hall... Uh, currently tied up, we have a, a shrine of time down there, and uh, he's being made <laughs> to sing. More than literally, <laughs> uh, That's not happening anytime soon. Yes. Hi, Egan. I'm glad you managed to slip those ropes and join us. And, yes, uh, <laughs> I'm good at that. And okay, so on the other side of Tokyo, we have... Renato. And I also enjoy a tasty nutritional burger from time to time. And this one was full of filler. <laughs> For a moment there, I thought you were going to say, I also enjoy being tied up, but I'm moving. Let's move on. <laughs> All right, yeah, everyone. Yeah. 25 episodes and we finally got a joke I don't from Ian. <laughs> uh, all right. And uh, calling from Australia, we have... You know, I don't like this joke, but at the same time, all this talk has really actually made me want a burger. Hi, it's Greg. <laughs> I'm here joining us once again. See, the difference there, Craig, is that, you know, there'd probably be beetroot, maybe an egg on that burger, unlike... Egg, yeah, beetroot, that's just monstrous. All right, speaking of monstrous, from the US, we have everyone's favorite Machina fan. Hello, all. Yes, I'm back, and no, you can't mess with me anymore. Thank God she's alive. Thank God she's alive. Free at last, free at last. <laughs> Thank I, God Almighty. It must have been a traumatic the kittens are free at last. A, a traumatic week for you, Mike. <laughs> uh, yes, it was. I've gotten so many. I've never gotten so many uh, at mentions on Twitter than this past <laughs> week, and and it were half people consoling me and half people making fun of me. Uh, and I just want to say screw you all for laughing at my pain, <laughs> but I, I get the last laugh. I am justified. So I'm, I'm feeling much better now. I'm pretty Thank sure the people much. consoling you were also making fun of you. It's ironic. Probably. That's, that's probably, that's probably true. And yes, yeah. now I do want a, bur- I do want a burger as well. Burger. Uh, a burger. Why did you say it funny? Like a weird British person. That was weird. <laughs> <laughs> now, as listeners may notice, we're having a little bit of audio difficulty tonight, but uh, do bear with us. So, gentlemen... Do look- burger with us. Thank you. Like, that's, You're that's welcome. Anytime. Nothing, Anytime. Nothing beats ex machina, so, uh, <laughs> but, but it was a good try. 
But are we re- are really? Are we not going to just going to do burger puns the rest of the evening? We should. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. So you did great. Sounds you, good burger. Great, Gwyn. Good burger. Right. Burger. Can I take your order? It, it's great that Gwyn started this. He should really pat himself on the back. <laughs> uh, let, let's not do that. No, no, I, <coughs> let's not do that. You mean let us let us not do that? See, oh, let, come on, let us, let us come on, man. It would be a whopper Jeez, of an episode stay if we it. started talking about burgers. Yeah, we it's might true. might get flame grilled on the internet. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I, I, you, you guys are going to see the color of Adrian's face right now. And I'm the one drinking. But... Is it brown? <laughs> what? It's okay, I... grilled. No, I have these spots like a sesame seed bun. And they're popping off. <laughs> you know. All right. Let's jump into this because it's episode 25. And I've got a, a stack of notes from it because there was a lot of info dumping here. So I'm just going to run through these points of uh, of what happened before we get into the 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 meat of things you might say the patty of things and I suck at this so you mean, you mean for big no you don't big mac of course that's the one thank you <laughs> so we open up and Makina as Mike uh, pointed out for us is stable but she won't be singing for the immediate future Freya also has bandages hiding up her little liver spots on her hand uh, now. We got the uh, our crew talking on on the bridge, right? And you hear Johnson talking here because this is all you know after they've extracted uh, after the events of last episode and Mike getting shot and all that. And you hear Johnson's um, kind of account of the mission, and we've heard that he's a bad captain, but this has got to be one of the worst reports he's ever ever done. One of one of the worst post op briefings he's ever done because he's like, well. Hmm, we failed to destroy the protoculture system. Oh, and uh, Mikuma was uh, captured. And uh, she's the singer of the stars, and it looks like uh, she's uh, she's singing. And uh, her song's affecting stuff. Strangely enough, he doesn't mention that Makina got shot, so I'm not sure that he really cares. But uh, it's not the best in the way of, uh, of mission briefings. Now, one thing Makina did manage to do, other than be a bullet sponge... It uh, appears that while they were cramped in the back of that VF-22, she recovered the black box, which no one had thought to dig for in the last seven years or so. Uh, she handed that box off, uh, bleeding on the ground, to, to Ray Ray, apparently, who fixed it. And, you know, Reina fixes everything. She can fix everything, except Makina. And so Raina plays this black box, which is playing from her fingernail, so I don't know why she moves closer for people to hear Maybe the speaker's in her fingernail. I, I don't know how that works. Uh, but it's a recording of Hayate's father just before the bomb goes off. He was uh, on a bombing run with the Dimension Eater. He claimed there was some atmospheric disturbance. It's pretty clear, by the way, he's saying it, that uh, it's fake. Um... He, mission control says, you know, they can't pick up any atmospheric turbulence, tell him to stay on course. Uh, however, he's trying to get the bomb away from populated areas. Um, so he keeps going. Two incoming fighters or, or unknowns are also picked up coming towards him. At this point, um, it appears that uh, mission control takes over the operation via remote control. And they decide to detonate the bomb. So Hayata's father was in the 22 that dropped the bomb, 
But he's not the one who actually dropped it. He was actually trying to get away from uh, population centers. And at the last minute, it's um, his last words were basically to his wife and, and Hayate, which, which I thought were great. But look, um, we managed to get all the whole thing of, of who cl- dropped the bomb cleared up here. The only thing that really didn't make sense to me was the reason given for why uh, UN Spacey decided to detonate the bomb. But we'll get to that. Guys, what do we think of this? Was this pretty much how it all envisioned it happening? Well, my prediction was he was under the VAR control, so I was off. That's about it. All right. <laughs> so uh, I was hoping for something a little bit more glamorous, but mm. yeah, sure. That mm. works. Okay, Craig? Um, well, I, I thought he, he was... Uh, I didn't think he dropped the bomb at all and that it was actually um, the Windermerians. So I was off too. Um, I didn't mind the reveal. I thought it, it was... I'm glad it wasn't just as clear-cut as he was following orders. Mm-hmm. And uh, when the, they said there was you know, two incomings on radar, was that... Do you guys think that was Keith and Royd? I think Because remember was. there was that shot of them outside a crashed mech, like a crash fighter that apparently happened the same day, right? So I think that was them. Yeah, that, that's my guess as well. Yeah, that... Uh, <clears throat> sorry. That scene actually does show the um, Dimensionator going off. Like, they're looking at it and then they show it. So it's that's happened right. at the same time. I mean, the one thing that doesn't make sense to me, because uh, Arid basically gives his theory of, of what happened, because also in this black box were some pictures of the ruins on other planets. And so seven years ago, uh, UN, uh, nuns was... They already suspected the ruins were some form of, of ultimate weapon, and they were looking into them. But they were afraid of getting beaten to the punch in, uh, in, in that this weapon would fall into the wrong hands. So they set us up the bomb, so to speak. Now, it turns out that Hayate's father was kind of, what, special intelligence or something like that, depending on how you want to translate the term. So he was uh, involved in in researching the ruins and and all of this. So, first of all, he wasn't going to drop the bomb where it was supposed to be, but the theory is UN Spacey took over control and detonated the bomb remotely because they were also afraid that the information he had would fall into enemy's hands and, you know... By, by information, you know, that's also the he would fall into enemy hands. But the thing that didn't make sense to me about that was that previously we saw the 22 drop the bomb and just fly smoothly away. So the bomb, unless they, you know, blew it up or it was still on the Valk, wasn't going to do much. So I'm not sure whether that really holds up. Also, yeah, it doesn't make sense to. Wouldn't the Valk blow up as well? Well, yeah, the, the way it just cruised away in that initial footage, episodes and episodes back, always kind of rubbed me the wrong way as well. <laughs> yeah. It's just cruising. Um, yeah. Cruising also, if um, if he had lost control of the fighter, then what did shoot down Royd and Keith? Did they just crash into each other? Like, what happened to... To, for them to be standing there watching the cra- the right. bomb going off. So my what I think what my theory, and I, I hate giving theories, but given what we know of events, I would think that they remote controlled the Valkyrie to drop the bomb, but the black box doesn't have what happened after that, right? 
So I would, you know, probably the EMP or whatever from the bomb knocked that out. So there's still whatever happened immediately after that that we don't know about. Uh, I mean, did Roy and Keith, are they the ones? Because it was said that Roy, uh, Hayato's father's body was found next to the plane. So did Roy and Keith get into a, a fight with him and they shoot each other down, but um, they actually killed the father? Because uh, they're only cadets when this happened. They were caught into war prematurely. So it'd be interesting to see. Uh, I, I, I get the feeling there's still more to this story. Much, But, but then again, I thought there'd be more than Mikamore's story as well, and we, we haven't gotten much of that either. We're still not quite certain whether the video is uh, legitimate, if it's true, and if it's not. Actually shows what they claim it shows. So there's also that as well. That's a good the original video of the VF-22 dropping the bomb. Hmm. Uh, all of those things are going to need a lot of time to explain, and we don't have that time. But we still got 25 minutes, right? No, it's not <laughs> going to be 25 minutes of exposition. I swear to God. I, I will break my oh, TV. I thought it was back. <laughs> well, there's one, recurring, there's one recurring theme for Windermerians, and there's not enough time. Yep. So that is the theme of Delta. <laughs> Actually, Renato, we need another burger episode, so we have three of them. Yeah. So I think, yeah, <laughs> the final episode could be another burger one. We need the, the trilogy. Um, Haven't we got three already? Yes, Big Mac, basically. Well, we haven't gotten three info dumps from him, I guess, Egan. But... I feel like every episode is a info dump from him. Well, in the middle of all this happening, I remember Adrian were watching it, and it's like, a shuttle's approaching, and it's this cool-looking shuttle, interesting design. Oh my god, who could it be? Who could it be? Yes, it's Burger! This is a tasty burger! And the way the doors open up for the reveal on his face, it's just so deadpan. Like, we were laughing in pain. <laughs> I, Me again. I wasn't laughing. You're laughing on the inside. Oh, I was laughing. I was crying. Yeah. I was crying on the inside, like Mike-sized tears of Machina's passing, which didn't happen, but the exact same size. Like, the, the way the doors open and his face is just there, I want someone to make a gift so they just shut again on it. So it's like, open, burger, shut. Because he just, ah, oh, again. Internet, um, get on that. I know, right? That is your job. It's like another info dump episode. Re- really, it was you know <laughs> macros burger, macros burger, macros burger, macros burger, macros delta in one macros. Yeah, yeah, we should macros delta in one second. It's just those doors opening and closing. It needs to be macros B, doesn't it? Um, macros B. But instead of coming in, like he enters the room and he doesn't waste any time. Instead of saying yes, I'm back and tapping his pipe, he just snaps his fingers, and the room goes dark and a projector comes up. It was the yeah. most funky thing. They've got it especially set up for him, you see? <laughs> no. It was smooth, man. He comes in. It's is it, burger time. Is it, before, <laughs> is it before or after that that um, there's the scene of um, Kaname and and the captain and uh, what's his name? And Arid. Mm. And Arid's like, we've really got to get all of their shit out of our out of our systems and yeah, that's going to take like 10 years worth of budget now it's like listen I'll, I'll take a pay cut it's fine let's do oh, it yeah. let's get all this stuff out of the system I, I yeah. like that line I thought that was really funny that's before Burger comes yeah um so Burger comes in and we're getting a little bit of a there's a similar story is being told by by Royd 
um, to the Errol Knights at the same time. Interestingly, the Errol Knights apparently, except for Roy, had all thought that the uh, the singer of the stars was was just a legend. So I was like, huh, well, uh, that's kind of interesting. They they all thought it was just like a kid's tale. But uh, as the story went, uh, Hayate's father was very integral to all of this for, for someone we know so little about. Seven years ago, uh, he is the one being part of this special intelligence team that that found uh, a cell sample in an underground shrine on Windermere. And I, I, that got me to thinking, I wonder if that's where he found the fold, fold quartz as well. Uh, and well, it's, it's funny because didn't Craig say a couple of weeks ago, like what, when uh, when we had the Mikumo reveal, that he, uh, Craig, you were like, uh, well, where, where did they find these cells? Were they just randomly found and stumbled yeah. on the ground? Apparently, yes. <laughs> he just stumbled upon some cells. Well, they're like weird as that. They're lucky he didn't just put them in a box and send them to Hayate as a souvenir, you know. Um, yeah, it's Amazon. But maybe he did. Maybe he did. Yeah. Well, yeah. if anything, the fact he was like a, a special intelligence agent uh, and traveling around to all the ruins explains the the gifts to to Hayate right over over time, and the fact he never told him any details of what he was doing. It was just like, yeah, the the wind is the, the snow's really cold here, and he sends him you know a snowman. Which he literally did. That was probably from Windermere, you know. Um, and he was talking about the ocean is vast or whatever. At some point, it's like, well, he was probably in Ragnar. So all these little presents were probably from planets that Hayata has since, you know, been to at least a few of. I love the idea that there are little snowman trinkets on Windermere that tourists can buy. Well, they're no, going to be little snowmen with apples, right? Well, the line was uh, he actually just sent him a snowman, so he may have just built it. Like, it wasn't... I didn't get the feeling it was a pre-made one. Well, like, actual... How would he send snow? Well, like, a, a, um... Don't you have, like, refrigerated delivery? Well, I know, we do. Here. Yeah, I guess so. Um, Across space? It's pretty cold yeah. in space. I think yeah. it would be okay. That's true. He hangs it out on the wing of the valve and it stays cold. It's perfect. Excellent point, Renato. Um, so, this sample somehow made its way to Lady M which we'll get to more about Lady M later. And no, not really. When the ruins react to the Singer of the Stars, we find that uh, delta waves, which were mentioned in a previous episode, occur in uh, humanoid species brains, which results in a giant network, gigantic network, um, which is, again, Macross Frontier. <laughs> but... And due to the enormous... I might have missed some of this, so correct me if I'm wrong. Due to the enormous amount of information when this network hits, uh, it basically overloads people's brains or puts them into a comatose state. Was that what was... Because it showed back that scene of the entire city just collapsing. But that was supposedly what happened when the delta waves occurred and they all went into this state. Um, Which makes the network rather ineffective, I guess. But, hmm. Unless that's exactly what you want accomplished. Right, so maybe it's not a communications network, but a, a weaponized network, which brings us back to Berger, who basically says, As I thought, songs are the weapon. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that was just like, okay. I, I've been waiting ten episodes or something, no, seven episodes for them to prove him wrong, and now he's proving himself right. Um, and according to legend, the singer of the stars exists only to sing. Oh no, Mikamo! Um, and can only accept Windermere orders uh, when activated, because apparently this is what the Windermere's runes do: is it renders the the song doesn't affect them, and therefore they can control the system. 
And although this leads me to believe that that's probably why they got short lifespans because they can't overthrow the system or usurp it if uh, <coughs> if they if they die fairly quickly. But songs are the weapon, and um, this thing we mentioned last week, like the weird thing that appeared on top of the ruins in Ragnar, is basically like a fold booster or amp for the the song of the stars or the star song. Why is it on Ragnar? Guys, I thought this was really interesting. Uh, Roy, um, Roy thinks it's a, a failsafe, basically, right? So you have to have the wind and the sea. So Ragnar and Windermere. So the ship from Windermere and on the ruins in Ragnar to unlock the final bit. I was like, wow, that sounds like some Kadun rubbish if you ask me. Roy Kanu would be proud of this combination. Roy the Kanu also, does that mean if somebody else controls Earth and Fire that they can do something as well? Well, that would be Macross, like, what's after Delta? I don't know, upside-down triangle. That's well, didn't they already story. do Earth, Wind and Fire? Isn't that what the, what the first ending theme was? Yeah, exactly. Thank you, Renato. You are welcome. I was just about to chime in with that. (laughs) So, uh, and at this point, um, and I'm I'm skipping over a bit here, and we'll come back to it, but uh, we find out that uh, Nuns has sent a fleet into the Domain of the Wind, bringing more bombs, because, you know, that worked so well last time. And going from the animation, it looked like every ship had one of those fold jammers. Just more targets for Keith to shoot down if they let him out there. The attack starts in two hours. Lady M contacts our intrepid crew and orders the Elysian to go to Ragnar and stop Windermere before Nuns attack. Because, you know, they were so effective at defending Ragnar last time, back in episode 13. So it seems like we've come full circle. We're right back to where we were. 12 episodes ago. Uh, I mean, Mike, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, we even have Chuck. Chuck uh, hold on a second. <laughs> it's Burger telling you more plot details. <laughs> All right. Anyways, where was I? Okay. So, yeah, we even had uh, Chuck Chuck getting ready. He had his little, uh, his little Chuck Bento. Oh, yeah. And, um, <laughs> he and uh, he's he even he said, "Hey, we're going back to Ragna," and he mentioned his sister. So, uh, you know, maybe there is hope for for Marianne and uh, you know her lovely her lovely assets as well. Hmm. Maybe maybe we'll see her again. But yeah, no, um, you know, it's was pretty interesting. Like it, that, the the fact that they're. We like you said, we've come full circle. Uh, I mean, we'll get into final thoughts later, but okay, yeah, you know, inter- no, no. interesting to interesting to see them getting ready for that. Uh, no problem. Um, I'd, so uh, I mean, Craig, at this point, because we're getting close to the halfway mark of the episode, was there anything uh, you want to pick up on that I might may have missed? I mean, uh, no, I don't think so. Um, this was it was a pretty straightforward first half. It was info dumpy, but it didn't feel. I think I think the fact that it jumped around to different characters made it feel less 
Like, I mean, we, I mean, for all, the, all jokes aside, like Burger's bit is only a few minutes. Like he and it's intercut with the Windermerian side, so it felt less. It, it's not as bad as that one. That's literally just Burger talking for fifteen of the twenty minutes of the episode. Um, the the only other thing I thought was kind of interesting um, was Bogue's reaction during the sequence with the knights. It's the f- he was like the least angry, the least determined, the sort of most unsure, and I thought that was a bit odd. It seemed very un like. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Bogue didn't really have much to do this episode. No, but I mean, even he, but just you know, like there's a point where all the the Heinz is like, um, he says, "I want all of you to, you know." I don't remember what he's saying, but he's 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 just something. And all the other knights kneel, and Bogue just sort of stands there, looking kind of shocked for a second. Oh, it's because he exposed him. himself. Was that at that point? Was it? I thought yeah. that was. I thought that was before. Yeah, and Bogue was sitting there going, "I I, I heard that Heinz has ripped that he's got an eight pack." And uh... <laughs> no, um, yeah, that scene um, after Bogue does says what he says, uh, Heinz steps down, shows, lifts up his shirt. It's just quite awkward at that point. I know, right? <laughs> so, it's like, I think Bogue was the only one who didn't know to avert his gaze, which is maybe disturbing. Um, but, yeah, no, Bogue didn't have much to do. And there was one other final thing before um, the ad break. We had a little discussion between Roy and Keith, uh, which was a nice moment because Keith was saying how you know, he still doesn't really accept the direction Roy is taking, but, you know, oh, because he could still be hiding something for all he knows, but... His runes don't seem to be lying, which doesn't quite ring true because previously even the king had said that Royd's runes don't make him feel anything, that, that they're pretty much a blank. But uh, you get a flashback to them as kids, and it's a very Macross Plus moment of them being, Royd and Keith being in gliders, seeing who can go the highest as kids. I was expecting gold, or no, sorry, Isamu to just shoot by with gold running on the ground. And, um, yeah. I I got that kind of flashback too. Yeah. I was expecting Neum to be on the foot of the hill or something. Well, they had those wind turbines there, Ronaldo. You know, it's all connected. Did they have the wind turbines there? No, like, I mean, in Plus, you know. We had turbines yeah, harnessing plus, yeah. the wind. Oh, I see. Wind, yeah. <laughs> um, it's all connected. But then the ad break was what I'm presuming, Ronaldo, was your favorite part of the episode, which was the return of Bussar. <laughs> Why? Because the show stopped for a while? Well, did you see the um, the Macross Delta Scramble commercial? Uh, probably not. I think I skipped through it. Okay, well... Actually, the... no. Yeah, I didn't, because I actually only started watching this episode from the second half. Uh, I did. I missed the first half. Okay. Uh, I went back today and watched it. But, uh, but yeah, so I didn't, I didn't watch any of the commercials. Well, this every week they have different voice actors talking on the commercials, and this yeah. time it was Walkure and Basara. Um, and I've oh, got to say, Nobutoshikana uh, Nobutoshi does not pull off that Basara that well anymore, as as I've said back when we did Macross 30. But the, oh. he can still do the fire. That's it. He can't do the voice, but he can still do the fire. And for him to be it's going, just... Room Picker Fire was kind of... Oh, cool. he did not. He did. Oh, my God. Room Picker Fire! Well, you know, on the commentaries of Macross 7, he did say that um, the fire is the hardest thing for him to do. Maybe. Now, these days. Wow. Maybe put extra effort in. Yeah, yeah, he actually has to, like, 
uh, prep himself to do it every time now. Whereas when he was younger, he didn't need to do that. So he has to concentrate to do that. Uh, I can't speak about the other lines. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Well, <laughs> Every Girl Talk episode has to have some Macro 7 reference. Well, it was literally in between halves of this episode, so you know. Yeah, um, so it counts. We get back to the uh, the Bridge of the Elysium, and Burger's on the phone, because that's what Burger does. Uh, <laughs> you know... Is he taking people's orders? It's just like... <laughs> it's like he went... His <laughs> takeaway... <laughs> Just, just imagine, imagine the, you just imagine the Elysium, the Elysium pulling through a drive-through, and then the window opening, and it's the burger. No, no, burger's the restaurant. The window rolls down, and it's like it's like a plastic burger, like a like a, a, a Ronald McDonald clown, with the menu below it, and the menu's like just is ridiculously long with all these burgers no one's ever heard of. It's uh, really well explained. Yeah. Like every the, burger is like super well explained. And the kids' meals toys are super overpriced because this is macros. You just got to bring it it's down, good. don't you, Renato? <laughs> hey, that's the most realistic thing. Uh, so look, Windermere's going to Ragnar because this thing is on top of the thing, on top of the thing, literally. The ruins at Ragnar now look like um, a mega CD... With a Mega Drive with a 32X, basically, is what they look like. So, did they all need separate power sources? If I correct, if I remember correctly, they did. Yes. <laughs> um, now, apparently, it takes ages and a lot of power. Well, why is this on Ragnar? Like, there's a what? There's a star shrine there, and apparently, opening a subspace gate is easier on Ragnar or something like that. Is basically what uh, Berger says. Now and. Now, yes, now we get to the fun part, in that he says, oh, and by the way, I've heard this story, that, uh, you know, after the, I think it was after the Vajra incident, right, um, that Chaos uh, intercepted a signal uh, from, sp- from subspace on Ragnar, and uh, the source of the signal was identified as an immigration ship from 50 years ago. In fact, I believe it was called the Mega Road 1. Cue the music. It just so happens that around this time, Lady M became active. Now, let's just put this in context, guys. Um, Because despite what internet rumor may have you believe, they didn't actually say anyone in particular was Lady M. They said there was a signal they tracked back the source of it, of the signal, was the Mega Road 1. And that's really it. And I'll be honest, the comment that Lady M became active around this time doesn't gel with what Berger said previously, depending on how you think of it, I guess. Uh, because he said that Lady M started researching sound weaponry immediately after Space War 1. So... Uh, but then apparently she only became active seven years ago. Maybe she only became active as Lady M seven years ago. Mm, maybe. Um, also, it seems like like it's a mystery from the audience who Lady M is. Do you think in universe they just all know? No, because did you I, see the reaction of the crew? 
Yeah, I suppose that's true. Because when uh, he, you get the there sense... was hardly any reaction. What are you talking about? No, there was because they, like everyone. No, they turned guessed. around. And they started a little bit, yeah, but then they didn't even build up on it. Like the the call ended. Burger said, "Oh, I think I've said something which has nothing to do with what we're talking about." Okay, see you later. And he hung up, and then uh, they just started talking about something else. It's almost like, oh, that was weird. Yeah, but oh, they whatever. did do a guess when he said, "Oh, and this is a time Lady M became active," and like Johnson's face yeah, was kind of really like constipated. I w- I would gasp if I forgot to you know if I if I left my house without my keys and then I I just walked back. Yeah, you're missing the point. You imagine what it would be like if 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 Johnson was constipated, like just, that face. God. Was, um, I no, I saw a reaction there. Adrian, did you or? No. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I didn't see any reaction. <laughs> Y'all suck. <laughs> uh, well, like so- they, they should have talked about it. They should wait, wait, go back, rewind. Excuse um, me. Did you say that Lady M might be Lin Min May from the Mega Road Fleet? We didn't know about that. Did you know about that? I didn't know about that. Could you please tell us more? But they didn't say that. I would have said that. Wouldn't you have said that? Yeah, Arid, Arid and Johnson both react in a very minor way. But they do react, I just, yeah. and like to me, it looked like they reacted as in they. This is news to them. Like, I don't think well, they've ever met her. In that case, Kaname's figured it out, or she doesn't care because Kaname doesn't react at all, and the other bridge bunnies all just seem to be paying attention to what they're doing. So, I mean, it's a yeah, bridge- they're like, what the hell's the mega road? Exactly. Who cares? We're not over 45. We don't know what the mega is. Exactly, Renault. They're all too young to care. <laughs> Only old suckers care about. Exactly. So, they, um, the bridge bunnies get messages from Lady M all the time. So, are we supposed to, like, just assume that these messages are, like, text or, like, some kind of email or something like that? Or they're not voice messages. They're just orders. And so, they're always like, oh, we got an order from Lady M. You know what I mean? So it's like, so have they never, have they never seen her either? It's well, like, well, um, Mike, given that this is a show made in Japan, the obvious answer is that they get faxes. It's facts. <laughs> it's facts. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I get the emails. Yes. It's tiny little SMS messages. I get the feeling it's all anonymous. Um, but I mean, yeah. they've got a V for vendetta mask. Well, as in they just get a, a message from this, you know, source, this signal, this address, something or other. The thing, the thing is now, it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter who Lady M is. They've, they've taken the mystery past the point where it's relevant to the story. At this point, it would just be kind of an idle curiosity. Like, there's nothing that Lady M can do to, to, impact the narrative now other than show up and everyone goes oh look there she is but like it, it doesn't it doesn't matter who she is <clears throat> which which kind of sucks like i wish they hadn't left it this long it could have been an interesting reveal if she showed up like four, four or five episodes ago and is on the bridge and actively coordinating things but now it doesn't matter so who cares unfortunately yeah, I, agree I, with that. I, do, I don't want to be the guy i don't want to say that because I, I thought it was a really interesting mystery at the start but now who cares yeah, I, kind I agree. Of agree yeah. I suppose the only way it could uh, like play some significance is if Lady M is actually someone that we've known from the past Macross lore, and therefore the revelation helps tie Macross Delta to everything else before it. That might be the main thing they're hoping that Lady M's identity 
uh, is the significant, uh, what's significant of it. Well, they've done several things to tie it to previous series. Mm-hmm. Again, to go back to the Burger Explains It All episode, we got a history of Macross there. Burger Explains It All. <laughs> Cue the music. <laughs> na, 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 na. What? You credited that to somebody else. That was I thought that was me. Uh, what what if they get to the end of the last episode and they are out of time, so they just have Burger talking for the last five minutes, telling us what happens? Oh, God. Uh, but no, I do agree. Look, it, it's at the point where if they reveal who Lady M is, it's going to be, you know, this kind of jumping the shark, coming in to save the day at the last minute, like, where were you up till now when things were so bad? Like... It'll be. It could be interesting, but it's just. It, I I can't s- see how it would feel organic to the plot. If that makes sense. Like um, in Frontier, we 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 found out that it was um, Mao from Zero was Runker's grandmother. Cheryl's no, grandmother. Cheryl, Cheryl's grandmother, and was researching with Runker's mother and stuff. Yeah. And, which was neat, like you saw her in the background of stuff, but it didn't really impact the narrative of the story. And that's the only way the Lady M thing can matter now. Right. That's a good point. Although, the difference being Lady M has a lot more influence on the go- on the goings-on of, of this show. We get this moment on the bridge between Kahneman and Arad, which was kind of nice. You know, um, Kahneman saying she decided her dream is she wanted the whole of Walkure, everyone back together, singing in a way that has nothing to do with the VAR or, you know, vaccination lives or the war. She just wants to get the girls together and just sing, just perform, you know. But to do that, of course, they've got to finish the war. So, you know, her and Arid have this moment where like, all right, well, let's get through this. And it was nice, I thought. Um, the problem being, you know, there's a point not long after where you get um, Kaname saying goodbye to... or telling uh, Messrs. Bracelet that she's going to you know, go off to fight and she'll be back. And I, I was just like, nope, 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 nope. That's completely shoehorned in, in my opinion. That doesn't flow naturally. Like, I just don't get it. I, I, I honestly think fan reaction is to, to the, the Kaname message thing has influenced that. That's just me. But I didn't like that at all. She deserves to be with Arid. That's that's all there is to it. Um, <laughs> but so Mirage advises Hayate to have a, a you know final word with with Freya, giving up on the love triangle as she already appears to have. But then again, she's cottoned on to the fact that Freya isn't well. Uh, Hayate catches up to Freya, and then surprise, surprise, he just happens to get a package. That's been floating around for seven years, which is not... A package. Uh, thank you. Which is not completely <laughs> correct. I mean, it's a package from his father that his mother had been hanging on to. And we found out way back in the, when he joined uh, Chaos, that when he joined Delta, that he told his mother he was going to be a pilot. So it seems that she'd forwarded the package finally to him once she realized he was on the same path as his father. And it had taken the series to get to him, or half the series to get to him, because they had legitimately been on a couple of different planets. But still, this package was apparently sent from Japan 
about the year 2000 <laughs> or so because it had all the correct postage stickers on it. Um, and it was made pretty tough space cardboard as well, I guess. But uh, we get the package and surprise, surprise, the photo in it, you know, reminds Freya that it was in fact Hayata's father who gave burger. her... Oh, sorry. Gave her burger, yes. I... No, I meant the package was from Burger. Actually, that would actually work, wouldn't it? Um, there's a photo of Burger on top. I'd, I'd believe it at this point. <sighs> yeah, well, yeah, it, it was Hayata's father who gave Freya her MP3 play, which to me, you know, we, we'd all seen that coming. It just seemed like kind of low-hanging fruit, pretty obvious. And so while this is going hey. on, we get a piano rendition of Do You Remember Love to make everyone kind of try to care about it um Hayate <laughs> Hayate decides he's going to protect us all fans. Yeah. he's going to protect us all he's going to save every one of us even though he's failed Flash. every time and he's even gotten used to Freya's laugh which means uh oh you know this can't be good they're getting far too comfortable uh, then we go to credits and we have the longest stinger in the history of this show it was long uh, we get the nun's fleet getting hit by the star song. And in a scene that was simultaneously both horrifying and redundant, the song puts them under Windermere mind control, <clears throat> and Windermere mind control tells them to detonate their own nukes, I'm sorry, dimensional weapons, and blow themselves to kingdom come. Whereas my first thought was, why didn't they just mind control them into turning around, flying their ships home, and then detonating the bombs? But Or flying the ships to Windermere and giving them a fleet and bombs. I, I don't get it. It was horrifying, though, the potential that, that they could yeah. get them to do that long range. And that's where we end with people blowing themselves up in anticipation for episode 26 next week. The end. All right. Sorry for that long-winded <laughs> explanation, guys. Renato, you want to start first? Thoughts, impressions? I've I've skipped uh, a few bits, but I don't know. I look. Um, I am in a very emotional state right now. You don't sound it. And the reason for, well, you know, the burger jokes really lifted my spirits. Uh, but just before this podcast began, I watched the penultimate episode of Pollyanna Girl of Love. So that's the only thing on my mind right now. That is an excellent anime. You guys should watch that. Uh, oh my god. Those characters have really deep emotions, lots of motivations. They have struggles. Uh, their their inter, uh, interpersonal relationships affect the flow of the story and drive the narrative. This is not that. This is people in rooms talking at each other about stuff that might happen, might not happen, sometimes happens, uh, happened a long time ago. Uh, nothing is actually happening. And it's been episodes upon episodes of this. And I am at... I said last week I was at the end of the, my tether. Uh, I'm glad there's only one left. I don't see all of the... Um, mysteries being revealed at the end like craig said who cares who lady m is right now it probably is min may um even if it is it will feel a bit like a cheap shot maybe i hope i'm pleasantly surprised in fact i can only be pleasantly surprised at this point because my expectations are so low come back macros 2 all is forgiven <laughs> oh you heard it <laughs> boys and girls 
I'm net high-fiving Adrian right now. <laughs> All right, everyone line up behind Renato. Go ahead. Then Why? Make, make no, sure... don't. No, no, no Mike, Mike, get behind Renato. Get Craig is behind him, you know, and then yeah, the rest of the rest of the internet get behind them, and then let's high five. Okay, hey. that was that was cute, guys. Get a room. Um, sorry, Renato, <laughs> did you did, did you want to finish that thought? Um, I I'm sorry, I just felt nothing. I I I, I long for the days of the first series. Oh, you know what though? Um, next week is the final episode of this, and then. Um, which you, which we already mentioned, might actually be a do-over of episode thirteen because we're back on Windermere. Uh, we're using this word "kessing" again, which means final battle. I believe they also said final battle in episode twelve or something like that. Um, and so it might be. I, I would be okay with a rerun of episode thirteen. <laughs> you know, if it, if it plays out exactly the same, I'd be fine with that. It was very entertaining. I liked it. Um, but you know what? Like an hour after that broadcast on Channel Three, which you guys probably don't get TVK Kanagawa uh, no. broadcasting, no. Uh, they are going to rerun episode thirteen. So I get to see episode thirteen twice next week, except one is labeled as twenty-six. Yay! Okay, that's my thought on this week's episode. I'm sorry, I can't. I just can't. Oh, uh, listeners, please watch Paulina, Girl of Love. It is incredible. And this, this, this cliffhanger. Next, the next episode I have to watch is the last one. This cliffhanger really, really lifts me in a very, very emotional state. It's really tear-jerking, almost. Oh, my God. Uh, Craig. Go ahead. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think Renato is right when he talks about other anime because I've been watching Sweetness and Lightning and that show is a really emotional roller coaster ride if you're a father and I think it's important that everyone watches it. Oh, this show. Um, I, I, I'm actually, jokes aside, I'm actually more positive than, than you are, Renato. Like, I've, since, since the episode with Mikumu, Mikumu, Mikumu got hurt, way back when I've been okay with it like I know it's still slow as molasses but I don't know I've, I've been back on board before that I was getting a bit shaky with things but um and I would still love to have a little more combat but I actually dug this episode a lot um I I, I thought that like I said yes it was exposition the whole time it was just talking but it wasn't just one person talking for 20 minutes. It jumped around. The information was interesting. I actually thought the moment between Hayate and Freya was really sweet. Um, I really I really liked that sequence. Uh, and the way that Mikimo, uh, not Mikimo, sorry, Mirage, uh, sort of sent him off to her. And that, that whole bit I, I was on board with. I don't know why. I don't, I don't, I'm sorry, I forgot if you mentioned this or not, Gwynn. I don't know why Hayate's been given back his... I re- they rebuilt his VF-31J rather than using, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Messers. Messers. Messer. Like, it, 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 they're like, yeah, this one's been beaten up a lot. And I'm like, yeah, but you had to rebuild this one from scratch. Surely that was harder. But all right, sure. Um, other, other than that, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with the episode. I think it was, it was a solid one. Next week, I I think sadly is going to be largely unsatisfying. I just at this point, I don't think, no matter what they do, no matter how action heavy and stuff it is, 
I think we're going to, it might be one of those ones where you watch it and you go, wow, that was really cool. And then the more you think about it, the more you realize there's a lot of questions left unanswered. And and I think that's sadly where we're going to finish up. But I hope I'm wrong. I guess, and just to throw in a quick counterpoint before moving on to everyone else, if anything, this episode, while I found it disappointing as an episode in context of where it sits in the series, you know, Frontier had a pretty much a two-parter, really, in terms of build-up, and this didn't really build up to anything. It just dumped us a bunch of in- information we wanted to know and could have been handled a lot better and everyone's saying, we're off to the final battle. Again. And there was even less of a sense of build-up, I thought, this time, for, for a final battle. You didn't really get that much... I mean, there was a sense of some goodbyes and whatnot, but it didn't really feel that final or climactic. On the other hand, because it wasn't what I wanted it to be, I'm very, very interested into how they are going to continue it, or well, you know, end the series, I guess I should say. Because... It seems to me that you know we shouldn't be expecting the typical kind of conclusion, the typical kind of ending. Uh, hopefully, look, they come up. I don't think it's possible to come up with an ending which justifies the pacing of the second half of this series. But if they come up with an entirely new type of ending, that will at least make it an interesting ex- experiment. But um, I'm still half convinced they're gonna they're gonna announce something. Berg, I just, by I don't know. Burger OVA? It's a burger, it's a burger manga, but it's the entire series, again, from Burger's point of view. So, um, <laughs> Renato, I was going to say, I kind of wanted to see a, a Naze Nani Nadesco, but with Burger, but actually, no, that's what we've gotten in the series itself, so it would be the same thing. Um, but, but, yeah. yeah. So, anyway, uh, Egan, you were, uh, Thoughts by conventional ending, were you uh, suggesting like uh, you were expecting a fleet battle only to have that stinger pretty much remove the possibility of the new UN providing any fleet for a battle? That yeah, kind of yeah, that and just the, the sense of yeah, big fleet battle and that build up for it, and the fact that we obviously aren't going to get all the answers we want, so it's not going to tie up things as, as well as past series have to a degree. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's for better or worse, but this idea that even the production staffers have been floating around that they were considering having a movie makes it seem like that's the way they're going to do it. And I'm not sure if it makes me feel better or worse that we know uh, that they are thinking about some things not being in the series. Once again, they haven't officially announced a movie, and they've only said that there was a possibility. So, I mean, what did you think of this episode, Danigan? Well, a couple of things that you mentioned, how like the Windermirians, I hadn't thought about until you mentioned it, that they basically have a planned obsolescence. They have a built-in expiration date on them, and right. whether that was deliberately created by the protoculture. And to go back to the stinger about the macro, no, what made me think about the use of dimensional weapons to take out UN spacing by their own uh, weaponry was, have they learned nothing from Macross 7? <laughs> they had the same thing happened to the Stargazer way back then uh, when and when they tried to drop off the Stargazer bomb, bomb uh, the Operation Stargazer, only to have the enemy just 
you know, forward the bomb right back into the ship and blow off the entire uh, uh, operation from the get-go. Well, we Seven just... did it. <laughs> <laughs> we, we... Like... So, Egan... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, Renato, we, we do know that... Or well, Andy, Egan as well. We do know that much of the Seven incident is either classified or not known, but that at the very least, the entire cast of Frontier knows kind of what happened. Because so they were still in the we, Exactly. <laughs> and we actually have a blood relative as one of the main characters. Yeah, so yeah I'm, sure, I'm sure they heard some stories. Uh, but even though that very same episode is the one where the VF-22 appears and it transforms. Did yes, you rewatch that episode? Did catch, I did catch it again after we talked there about it. There you go. I did see the bad trade mode. Yeah, so it did show up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we can uh, correct what we say, uh, what I said in the past uh, episode. Oh, hey. on regards to why didn't they use? Uh, why aren't they using this tactic? Uh, you, you mentioned that why didn't they just brainwash and mind control the UN Spacey and have them at the Windermirians back in call? I'm one reason I'm thinking they didn't do that and just went for the quick kill, take them out with their own dimensional weaponry. Is that they already know that. The UN have a way of countering that offensive. So rather than try to use that tactic and have it blow up in their face, they decided let's have the UN species' own weapons blow up in their faces. Like, why risk you know, something happening just like it happened uh, in the past where their mind control uh, tactics were defeated by you know, the uh, Walkeray, by the Bauer. Uh, anti-viral concerts. So this did have me wondering, why doesn't UN Spacey, you know, why didn't they just fire very long long range missiles uh, or, you know, fold them in or fold them in on a ghost or an unmanned plane or something and, and attack the planet that way would seem to make more sense because, you know, the the, the Star Song won't affect uh, an unmanned machine. But then I thought, well... We've learned that the Sigavalans, you know, and, and these ruins, I guess, sorry, the ruins do um, absorb the power of, of, of a dimensional weapon. So. The Windy Mirrors could always, if so, uh, someone tried to pull a tactic like that, pull back to their own planet where they're protected by the float faults. Exactly. So they have, all this time, they have had the built in defense which protected them and as well as isolated them. That's an excellent point. So you can't get to Windermere directly. And even then, looking at their reactions, I would say, you know, Keith could shoot down anything that they could shoot at any planet anyway. So they are fairly uh, fairly safe. It did bother me ever since that Macro 7 episode we've been talking about where the UN Spacey tried to set up the bomb on the, uh, the enemy only to have the enemy fold the bomb back onto the UN sp- uh, Spacey ship and destroy it. Mm-hmm. Is that tactic, now that it's been shown to work and devastatingly effectively so, why hasn't it been used more often? This is like a tactic that in hard science fiction and science fiction novels, post-science fiction, happens all the time. Because once you get the idea that you can fold a weapon, that dramatically changes the strategy and tactics for all the wars to, you know, to come. Mm-hmm. What, you know, to the point that, do you even need spaceships when you can just fold weapons where you need it to blow up things up and walk away? So, in a sense, maybe that Windermere and having a float fought, pre- precisely preventing people from doing those kind of tactics is one reason. You know, one thing that's a good thing that we have that as in the, in the background of this story. Mike? You know, I wouldn't 
I don't mind this as a penultimate episode if I knew that, like, a lot of TV shows, half-hour TV shows do here in the States, they give you, like, a one-hour, like, season finale or series finale. Like, I really feel like we could get all the answers or most of the answers we're looking for if we had an hour to tell the story. Because 22 minutes just does not seem like enough time to do everything they need to do to finish. Uh, you know, and, and I'm probably going to echo everybody else here when I say I hope I'm wrong. Um, but this is actually, you know, I've been of the whole, of the mind to just the whole entire series. Just wait. Let's see how it plans out. Let's see how it pans out. Let's see how it pans out. That's just been my mindset. But this is where I'm actually now worried that the last episode is not going to be a satisfactory ending that we're kind of hoping for. Um, but then again, according to some people, you know, Frontier didn't have a satisfactory ending, and you didn't get that ending until the second movie anyway. So that could be the same <laughs> Maybe that's just <laughs> if they do a hypothetical movie that might pull things together. Yeah, like maybe that's just part for the course for Macross now, or like I don't know. But uh, you know, I at this point, and then just kind of to fall back on what Craig said, like yeah, it really doesn't matter who Lady M is anymore. Although it'd be kind of funny if they did a swerve how everybody thinks, oh, it's Minmay, it's Minmay. But let's remember that Lady M is a military. I mean, she's in charge of a military operation. What if it's Misa? <laughs> you know, that I mean, I'd, that would be kind of a a, a cool swerve. I prefer that. Yeah, but you know, it would make more sense. That, it would uh, make more sense, Mike, wouldn't it? Because Misa was the one who found and decoded the uh, song plate. And do you remember love? So, right. Yeah, that's what I mean. You know, you know, it's like. Because everybody's like, oh, Lady M is Minmay, Lady M is Minmay. When was Minmay ever any kind of, like, military person? I mean, the only thing was, is, like, she got thrust into being, a, you know, into being, like, basically the secret okay. weapon for, yes, a weapon for the UN Spacey. I mean, you know, and so that was the only kind of military, you know, training she's had. And then she disappears to God knows where. And so we're supposed to, like, all of a sudden she emerges, you know, 67 years later, however however long it's been, you know, like, at this, like, shrewd military genius capable of leading uh, this, you know, paramilitary organization. I mean, you know, it just doesn't make sense. Like, uh, you know, in terms of, in terms of, you know, what, whoever Lady M is, what they would need to uh, the skills they would need to have to lead this kind of organization. So I don't know. I just, I was, you know, I think a lot of us earlier were thinking that a lot of, uh, where it could have been, um, it could have been Milia. Uh, but then, uh, you know, yeah, that'd be, I just, I just kind of thought kind of occurred to me, but again, like it doesn't really matter now. It's just like, well, let's see who it is and oh yeah great you know an easter egg that kind of ties everything together cool so you know i am i am waiting i'm i'll just say i'm guarded and uh, i am 
hoping for the best, but preparing for the worst. So we'll, we'll see what happens next week. Yeah, it's going to be a really interesting Sunday night, isn't it? Well, I'm yeah. I'm pretty sure, on a positive note... Wait, I'm are you going sure to actually really cool... watch it for starters, Renato? Are you going to actually watch this? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> of course, yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's going to have some really cool action sequences. Um, probably some nice dance choreography. You know, they're probably going to go all out. So I'm actually sure it will be enjoyable. I just don't think it will be a satisfying ending to the series. Um, and that's okay. Yeah, me either. I'm fine with that. Okay. That's entertainment. Yeah. You just I'm kind of with Renata. That, that's a bad. That's almost exactly where I think it'll be. Well, it'll look good. It'll be fun. But at the end of the day, it, it's like I said. You'll get to the end and go, "Wow, that was cool." And then you'll think about it a bit and go, "Hmm." Well, I've got to admit, it's been so long since we've had some cool stuff happen. It wouldn't take much to break it up at this point. I didn't mind last episode. Actually, we, I know our podcast fell apart. But <laughs> me and. Me and Celia and Clarice uh, talked about the last episode, and, and I think we all came away from it a bit more positive than you guys did. Um, so I, that's 23, I mean, not oh, sorry, 24, not 25. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, there's hope. It, I, there's hope. <laughs> not much hope, but there's still hope. Well, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, it is, you know, what it is. At the very least, I think 1 to 13 were really good and there's been bits and pieces in this second half which have been illuminating but there's also been far too much burger but you know everyone has series they like and don't like at the end of the day it's not like there won't be another macros so one thought about burger yeah oh one thing i've been uh, nagging at the back of my mind about this particular episode is this is the second time burger has you know put forward that Song is ultimately just a weapon uh, theorem. Mm-hmm. And in the previous episode, Freya being among the others who objected to that, but this episode around, people were too shocked to didn't say, uh, object to when he did say that again. And do you think that this next episode will give some kind of counter-argument to that? In, hopefully not in an, uh, another you know, uh, cigar talk, but, uh, but then actually show something. Or are we going to you know, have, like you, uh, we were talking, is Burger going to be proven right? Well, it'd have to be a very quick argument against him. Like, played at two times speed to get through it, I guess. No, he's saying that it will be proven through some kind of action sequence. Yeah, or something through the action. Happen, right? Yeah. Hmm. Like, yeah, and I think that's a good point. Uh, that's going to be one of the one of the key things that decides the fate of everyone, right? Well, will Burger be right? And we're in a real pickle. Well, I think that... That's my last one. I I, I think that Kiyomori is not going to end on a note that, yeah, you know what, Uh, everything was a lie. Song is a weapon. The end. I don't think we're going to go that way. He's been positing in (laughs) all the different animes he's been doing all this time. Yeah, I really don't think it's going to end that way. Uh, So the intrigue is going to be as to what what kind of a rabbit he's going to pull out of the hat um, with regards to showing that, no, it's not a weapon. So what did you think of this one, Adrian? Do I have to answer that? Yeah. God. Um, Yeah. Anybody notice the scene where when um, Hines is pretty much rallying the troops and saying we're gonna go do this the music really turned to like this marduk sounding background music 
Yes. That no, guy. only you. No, <laughs> I noticed that. I noticed that. Yeah. I was like, they are connected. <laughs> These are the early signs of the Marduk. But no, it's it was just like Macross two, like BGM. It was not like, but what? I don't know what I, I, I get. I, <laughs> da, 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 no, not that. Are you telling me that was playing in the background? <laughs> come on, come on, Renato. You watch it enough. I know you know more riffs than that. So, but there's no. that scene that I particularly liked. But other than that, yeah, I don't really get the fact that they blew up that fleet. Hmm. Um, because there's such a. The, that I believe what Heinz was trying to say was. I'm going to die, then he's the only one that can pretty much make Mikimo do whatever he wants under his command. Mm -hmm. So if he dies and they don't take care of this, then it's all for nothing. Because Broid can't make Mikimo do it. Mm -hmm. It has to be the the Windsinger. Yeah, the Windsinger. And they just blew up the fleet when they could have just attacked UN Spacey around the globe whatever so I thought it was kind of just hmm okay dialogue heavy uh nothing other than that really came of it and I'm just gonna see what happens next week and yeah I'm kind of I really never cared who Lady M was so that's that's not gonna affect me in the least I already figured they weren't gonna even give you a clue who it could be or um but I just well, as long as we don't end up back on Voldor I'll be okay but <laughs> we're going back to Ragna uh, find Chuck's sister whether she's dead or alive that's kind of what I want to know Heathcliff uh, oh that Don cat that Don yeah, cat Don. yeah Don. Don the cat that's his name now. The official name. Yeah, that's his official Don name. Cat. Don. Where have they got the name Don from? Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm just kind of. That's that's my take on it. I don't. I'm just going to tune in next week and ready to be hopefully a little bit more uplifting on the podcast and so more Macross Two music. More Macross Two music. And... Adrian. Um... Do you still believe that Bog is going to end up with Reyna? I don't think that's going to happen. They got 25 minutes. 25, oh, I don't know. It's Kyle Mori. Maybe, maybe both Machina and Reyna can be Bog's wings. <laughs> that's fan art that needs to happen. It can be well, Bog's wings. It's going to be... Bog's wings are a little lopsided. He may have some trouble... <laughs> gonna be like you can be my runes uh, yeah i don't really know what's gonna happen to the main characters i don't really the love triangle as far as mirage hayate and freya seems like that's pretty much done um yeah that's kind of it hmm. and i don't know the show is just about kaname it's kaname's show and everyone is second <laughs> pretty much Wow. Okay. Well, any final uh, thoughts um, from anyone before we wrap this? One yeah, I want to know what happens to Taco Head. <laughs> she has a name. I. You know what? 
<laughs> she can keep it. <laughs> it's Taco Head. What is it? Taco Head, Eyes, and Hat. Those are the three girls. <laughs> wow, it's not even Which as long as Wari Wari Rori Honda. Um, <laughs> in fact, you know what? I, I'd go so far as to say I care more. Uh, uh, you know, I don't. I don't care about who Lady M is, but I want to know why that girl has an octopus on her head. Yeah. That that to me is a bigger question. No, the question is, is why like... does the octopus have a girl stuck to it? That's the question. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Uh, you think? Do you think the octopus is a ventriloquist? Yes. And it's always been the octopus talking this time, just through the lips of this Independence girl Day. who's actually dead. She's a puppet. Independence Day. That's. Oh my gosh! All this time, it's an alien speaking through the girl, and then we didn't know that. Oh, never mind. I, I think that's entirely what's going on. Entirely. <laughs> um, I one thing I've been thinking is that. You notice that Freya, as soon as she realizes that it was Hayate's father that gave her the music player, but doesn't say that to uh, Hayate, is that might be something that they're going to try to play up in the final episode, and that might tie into how they might resolve the whole issue of, well, is songs re- are songs really just weapons? Uh, and ultimately, uh, this, the question of you know, this, the theme of this story, I guess. Hmm. Yeah, there are a lot of little things like that. I think one that we skipped over, or I skipped over, that may come back is uh, Johnson mentioned that if Mikomo is the only one who can activate this song, they may have no choice but to take her out. Now, I don't know how they think they can do that, but the next episode is, as Mike revealed last week, called Eternal Walkure, right? Um... Yeah, yeah. So maybe they're eternally dead. I don't know. Um, maybe that has something to do with someone getting taken out, um, or maybe Kaname's dream comes true and they all get to sing on a little stage somewhere. Take me out. A moment there. I thought you said Kaname's dream is going to come true and she's going to join Messer in the. Well, never mind. Oh. Oh, that's not where you're going. Okay, okay. We're walking away from that cliff. Okay. Yeah, no, she's going to join Makina in the hospital bit. All right. So, I think. We'd better wrap this up then. Oh, we got to say the name of this episode, and I believe it was called Would You Like Some Fries with That? (laughs) (laughs) Egan, what was the title of this episode? I'm drawing a blank right now, actually. (laughs) I could have done it. It was, I got got this. It was Hoshino Utaite, which is Singer of the Stars. It was indeed. It was Hamburger no Utaite, Singer of the Burger. Correct. (laughs) Oh, God. <laughs> All right, so we're off to get some Burger King, because Burger is the king. And on that note, next week will be a big one. So Heinz. Put Heinz, Heinz ketchup. Yes. Oh, this gets worse. We're going to shut oh, down. Man, how did we avoid that? <laughs> that was how did way we miss I was holding back on so Joke. many of those. Oh, God. Uh, thank you. Guy, yeah, guy. Everyone's yeah. coming up like they thought of it before. All no, right. I didn't, and I'm embarrassed that I didn't. All right. Um, where can people find people? Mike? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Mike in Redlands. Thank you. Renatology? 
<laughs> Renatology, you can find me on Renato. Other one that's known as Oh, you can find me at Burger King. Okay. I'll be ordering the Whopper Junior. Terrific. Because I'm oh. on a diet. Okay, Egan can be found, well, maybe not found since he's still tied up in a, an underground shrine. Craig? Uh, you can find me on the Repact and Reanimated podcasts over on repact.com and, uh, or repactpodcast.com. And I am at the Screen Man on Twitter. And Adrian, when you aren't re listening to Macross 2 soundtracks, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at GiantRobo, where I will be making up more Photoshop pictures of Delta characters as Macross 2 characters, which they will eventually become. Terrific. We'll make a gallery. Hmm. And this, of course, is your host, Gwyn Campbell. You can find me on Twitter at Gwyn Campbell, capital G, capital C, all one word, or you can mail us at the podcast at speakerpod at gmail.com. And we have one or two emails pending, which uh, I'll need to get back to soon, beginning some feedback. And I'd like to take this uh, opportunity also, English, to thank everyone who's been tweeting us. There's been a lot of tweets in the last day or so asking us when we're going to get this episode up. We're running a little late because deadlines. Uh, everyone's been busy with work. But uh, thank you for everyone who listens, and I hope uh, you'll join us next week and beyond as uh, we keep picking up on new topics once Delta concludes. So on that note, this is the Gur Talk, the second final episode, or, well, covering the second to last episode of Delta, folding out. This is a tasty burger. This is a tasty burger. Mm-hmm. 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 This is a tasty burger.